Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, July 8th, 2021. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. We are back on schedule. The lovely and talented Steve Wolfong, director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports, joins us. It is overcast and gray in the gem city, the capital city of Indiana. How goes it? Raining here, sending this wet weather down I-70 through Dayton all the way to Columbus. How are you, Daniel? I am doing well, as most Buckeye fans are. We are living in an incredible time. Steve has been one of the main voices to bring us such great news. He was in Los Angeles last week for the Elite 11. That is why Bill had to step in on Thursday. We've got a ton to get to. We're going to start with current events and work our way back. First, the class of 2022, Ohio State is still after several big-time edge prospects. Shamar Stewart, Omari Abor, Eni White is another. There's been much chatter about him on the boards. Some think it is Georgia or Ohio State. The great Rusty Manziel at Georgia, 12 hours ago, said he thought he was leaning Ohio State. What's your vibe? You know, with recruiting, you're putting a, a big puzzle together and who's recruiting who and what targets are leaning where. And, yeah, I talked to a source close to Eni this morning, Thursday morning, and he, he doubled down in saying that, Ohio State and um, Georgia were in the best spot. And then I, you know, asked a follow-up, what about Alabama? Because our readers over at Bama Online were asking. And and then he, you know, the the source then said, well, it's, you know, really a four-team race and added Alabama and A&M. Now, I know Alabama led in spring, you know, talking to this source. So it's not like Alabama's uh, some new team to the party here. Um, And we all see twists and turns in recruitments. Hell, Kojo Antwi was not going to Ohio State a month ago, in my opinion. I mean, maybe he always was, but the intel didn't say that. You know, um, that at one point, Ohio State was to be in a great position, but then A&M had some momentum. Maybe another team did. Maybe A&M never had momentum, but I think they did. And Ohio State rallied and, and landed him. I um, mean, Ohio State was working out other receivers just in case they didn't land him. So, and my perception of that is that they weren't sure if they were going to get Kojo. You know, they knew it was, you know, uh, there were some other teams that were in the mix, but they recruited Kojo as long as anybody. He was at the top of the board the whole cycle. I think that they think he's going to be special for them. And, you know, there's a certain standard of receiver that they're recruiting right now, and, and Kojo meets that standard. And so, you know, they got him in the boat, and, and uh, it was a big win. Uh, but back to Eni, um, I then proceeded to ask, you know, where, where's he going at the end of July? And they said either Ohio state or Georgia is kind of in the works for a potential visit. It was going to be Georgia is what the source said, but now I wouldn't be surprised if he popped back up in Columbus. And, um, you know, we, you look at where Georgia's at on their board, deny Dennis Sutton's making this college decision later this month. I think that Georgia's got some serious traction there. Um, Penn State's trying to, you know, win that one, win that recruiting battle, uh, which is a slobber knocker like the Nicholas Singleton they just went through. Um, but if Denai picks Georgia, 
uh, you know, I don't know if Eni fits into Georgia's plans. You know, Georgia's got C.J. Madden on the board as well, which is an in-state edge that that I think is someone that they covet as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But just because uh, maybe Ohio State and Georgia are in the best position right now, it doesn't mean that they will be, you know, when Eni is ready to step to the table and announce his decision. But, you know, that official visit was big. Larry Johnson's terrific, uh, but he's also just even better in person. And, and you, you sit down with him and you turn on your film and you break down one play and you feel like you got a lot better. That's uh, kind of the vibe I get talking to recruits. That's certainly the case with Chris McClellan, who is a heavy, considered a heavy lean to Ohio State coming out of his official visit at the end of June, top 100 player out of Owasso, Oklahoma. Uh, I, I think Ohio State, when they offered in April, they became one of the main contenders and, 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 and were already maybe the one to beat coming into the visit. But when he sat down with Larry Johnson and like, man, I can learn a ton from Larry Johnson. I think Ohio State's going to be extremely tough to beat for him. And with that, they're rising with Eni. And, and so, you know, we'll see if they can hold off some of these other terrific programs that are near the top of his list as well. Also about Eni, you're talking about a kid from Philly, so this is not a regional recruitment. There's no Penn State, one to watch for sure. Another guy Ohio State covets, who is arguably at the top of the list for his position, Xavier Nwankpa out of Iowa. Normally you'd think an Iowan is going to Iowa, but this guy is such a big-time recruit. Midwest Powers, Notre Dame, and Ohio State are creeping in heavily. He does have a timetable that seems like it's going to take a while, but I know he's at the very top or close to it for Ohio State. What is your vibe on Isaac Nwankpa? They just took Terrence Brooks, and there's some rumor of him maybe playing some safety, so there is a little bit of a crowd developing in the secondary. Well, Terrence Brooks can play any position in the secondary, but when you're looking at schools like Ohio State, you're not worried about who else is there. I mean, you know that they've got great players on the roster already. You know you're coming in with great players, and you know they're recruiting guys in the next class that are going to try and take your job. I mean, it's it's uh, you got to have the right mindset to go to Ohio State and, and places like that, and you're you're making that decision based on your own development. You know, you see people all the time, why'd Kyle McCord pick Ohio State? Kyle McCord, he's coming in behind C.J. Stroud, a five-star. Then he's got another five-star committed behind him in Quinn Ewers. Well, Kyle McCord, he wants to get trained by Ryan Day, you know? And he wants to, you know, he's confident in his own abilities. He wants to play for Ryan Day, and he sees the track record that they've had recently at the position, and he's going to go in and, take his swing and, and see what happens. And, you know, he's not scared of competition at Ohio State. You know, he's not scared of C.J. Stroud. He's not scared of Jack Miller or Quinn Ewers. He's, he's going to Ohio State to be the best quarterback he can be. And, and uh, you know, that's the case for these young men that pick Ohio State at other positions. And, and you know, obviously that goes for Alabama and some of those other schools, right? you got to have a certain kind of mentality, an alpha mentality to pick these schools. And the guys that don't have it don't go to these schools. They find an excuse not to go, or it may be excuse is too strong of a word, but they find, they find a reason to, you know, they find a more advantageous situation um, that's suitable, right? Um, but but uh, for Noankpa, this is, a, this is a battle with Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame's got a lot to sell too, right? I mean, they got maybe the best safety in college football this year. 
They have another safety in the NFL that's been one of the best mm. in his career in Harrison Smith. And they have a good location to Iowa. Um, and, and, and then certainly the academics. And, and uh, he's clicked with Kyle Hamilton. That was his host on his official visit. And, you know, he fits in in that locker room at Notre Dame. And, uh, but I think that Ohio State, if I had to name like a slight leader, I would name Ohio State the slight leader for Noankville right now. I think that his report with his potential future teammates is off the charts. And you could see it at the uh, opening finals, you know. Um, they like that crew of like Xavier, CJ Hicks, and then, you know, Sam McCullough is going to Indiana, but those guys were all kind of running together and you could tell they were having a great time hanging out. And, you know, Xavier mentioned that to me, just the relationships he has with guys that are already in Ohio state's class, you know, makes them comfortable there. In addition to all the things that they've done on the field, I think that one could go either way still. I mean, I like the Buckeyes. Uh, but Notre Dame's got a lot, lot that they can sell Xavier too, and uh, so we'll see how it plays out. He said he plans on taking the rest of his trips and and and, take, and going to see some games in the fall again. So I don't know if that one's coming to an end anytime soon. Notre Dame has a fine Buckeye on board in the staff now, Marcus Freeman, who is making an impact. I just get the sense the Fighting Irish are on the uptick and they are doing work on the trail. So that will be a challenge. We're going to take a quick break, come back, talk about glorious Ohio State recruiting. All right, we are back. I'm going to shill for the company here and let you know, had you been following the BM5 and Steve Wolfong, you would have been able to deduce that Kojo Antwi was coming to Ohio State before others. And I asked Steve heading into Kojo Antwi's visit what he thought of Landon Sampson, the receiver that plays with Quinn Ewers out in Texas. And you said, depending on how this visit goes, I think Sampson could maybe get an offer. Later that week, Landon Sampson committed to South Carolina. Obviously, the visit went well for Kojo Antwi, and then he committed. Give yourself some credit, Steve, for laying it out. Have you ever seen a guy of Antwi's level come out with a finalist list this close to his commitment and then choose a team that wasn't on there. Well, how about let's give some credit to Bill Kierlich, who logged a very early crystal ball forecast in, in favor of Kojo and never backed off it. He was the only one for quite some time, too. So he had to dig in his back foot on that one. And quite frankly, when he put it in in January, I was even like skeptical then. Like I knew Ohio State was in a good spot, but I was like, that's a little early, Dean. Um, I, I think, you know, because I think at that point, I don't remember if I was feeling A&M or I may have been feeling Ohio State, but I just wasn't feeling them enough to put the pick in. But either way, uh, I think the kudos needs to go to Bill Kierlich, who, you know, put it in in January and, and, and rode with it all the way to the finish line. But, uh, I mean, maybe I, I actually don't really remember Kojo naming some favorites without Ohio State in it, but I'll say this. Ohio State was in it from the beginning. so even if they like faded for a second, it wasn't like it was a brand new relationship. You know, again, Ohio State identified him early. Brian Hartline built a report with him. He was a guy that they coveted um, from the outset. And so Ryan Day certainly involved. He had, you know, Coach Washington floating around down there. It's, uh, you know, they put a lot of time and energy into Kojo. And then once they got him to campus, he obviously loved it, fitting with the guys and loved the scheme and offense and, and, and chose Ohio State over some pretty juicy offers, you know. I just have never seen anyone recruit at the level Heartline is at right now. I hesitate to say that knowing Larry Johnson on the same staff. The whole staff is really good. I mean, you can sit here and 
I mean, Hartline's got most of his top targets, and that's been pretty incredible. But well, Tony you know, Alford just got, got the number one his, running back. All right, you know who else has got? Yeah, Tony Alford's got most of his top targets. You know who else has? Corey Dennis. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I mean, Quinn Ewers, Kyle McCord. They had a lot. I mean, the Kyle McCord class that was a Roxbury. I mean, like there were a lot of quarterbacks standing outside the Woody, waiting to see who was going to get in and and who you know, who, who wasn't getting in the club, you know? And so, uh, uh, Kyle McCord was the one that they gave the little finger wag to, and he was able to come in and say, coach day, I'm coming, but they had some really good quarterbacks that they were in the mix for. So, you know, Larry Johnson, uh, has hit big Al Washington's ranked as a top 10 recruiter right now, you know, coach stud. I mean, I think that, uh, that, you know, Ohio state's landing a lot of the guys they want on the offensive line and then certainly coach Combs. So, I mean, they're all doing great. The whole staff, I mean, very rare do you see a staff that has this many guys that are that devoted to recruiting and building genuine relationships with kids. I mean, I don't, you know, Kevin Wilson is, is involved on guys. I mean, you look at this tight end class that Ohio State has, they committed both those guys early, so you know they wanted them, you know. They, and, and so it's, um, you know, they're, they're, their success rate is pretty high. They're in a rare air. I mean, they're, they're one of the few programs that you can point to and say, hey, they're going to be really good for for quite some time. Obviously, Alabama, I think Georgia. I love the way A&M's trending. I mean, if Notre Dame could find a difference maker under center, you you know, you could point to them. I mean, obviously, Ian Book just got drafted, but I'm talking about you look at the guys that are winning the biggest games. Those are the guys hearing their names called in round one these days. If Notre Dame could find someone to that level, that's what like makes like if you look at Penn State's class right now, you look at a guy like Drew Aller, I don't think Penn State's recruited a guy like like Drew Aller under Franklin. But with that, if you're Ohio State, you're like, well, I hope he's more like Deshaun Kaiser mm-hmm. in college, like where he's maybe a third rounder, you know, uh, because, you know, he's got a chance to be really good. The reason Drew Aller is at Penn State, besides the fact that Mike Yersuch is from Euclid, is Quinn Ewers is going to be a Buckeye. They they could have they would have could have maybe got I'm cutting you off for good reason is uh I mean like Ohio State they could have went all in on like a guy like Cade Klubnik too so it's not they're recruiting quarterbacks nationally quarterback position is where you know it's obvious anyone that's listening can say if you got the guy if you got the right guy there your chances are you're gonna be pretty good because you know Penn State's shown that they can kind of match up at a lot of other areas. Drew Aller would be a Buckeye if Jim Trussell was still the coach. I do want to talk about Quinn Ewers, though, because you were out in Los Angeles. You saw him. He did not finish as the number one rated guy at the event. That's probably the first time that's ever happened. But I asked you yesterday, and I actually put it in the boarding house, how concerned we should be on a scale of one to ten. You said zero. So just give us some details on what you saw from Quinn out there. He was throwing to Kion Grace. Set the scene for sure. us and let us know why we shouldn't be nervous, given the fact that Klubnik apparently outperformed him. Klubnik, by the way, headed to Clemson. I do find it interesting, though, that you've got now a Texas guy going to Clemson, a Texas guy going to Ohio State, who are in the same class and going to be compared to each other. It's like the Georgia Trevor Lawrence, Justin Field redux all over again. But uh, the floor is yours. Sure. And I love the Wigman kid going to A&M, too. So it'll be interesting to see of those three guys, you know, how, where history takes them. But those three guys are, are studs. And that was a big win for Jimbo Fisher to get Wigman. But bringing it back more local, I'm not worried about Quinn Ewers' performance at all. 
I still remember at the opening finals uh, when Trevor Lawrence was there, there was talk about playing Jaron Williams over him in the seven-on-seven play because Trevor wasn't exactly lighting it up. Quinn Ewers is incredibly talented. He plays the best high school football in the country uh, against some of the best high school coaching in the country. You know, his sophomore season, 45 touchdowns, three picks, over 4,000 yards passing when he's healthy. His senior or his junior season playing with a hernia and a groin or whatever, uh, still took his team to the state championship game. Uh, and uh, um, he's still kind of recovering from that. But when you put guys like Trevor Lawrence, Quinn Ewers, and, and those mega talents in their own offense with their own teammates in, in the system that they're comfortable with, they have all the tools to get it done. And Quinn Ewers is, you know, incredibly talented. We appreciate Steve stopping by. He has put in yeoman's work. Very much appreciated here. Take care, y'all. See you on the front row.